This episode of Insights is brought to you by MNP Digital, a firm that guides, protects, and empowers organizations along their digital journey. See how at mnpdigital.ca. Welcome to this edition of the Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. I am Don Mills. And I'm David Campbell. Uh, David, we had the uh, third of uh, our four-part series on the premiers with the premiers of uh, Atlantic Canada. Today we had uh, Tim Houston, the premier of uh, Nova Scotia, only eight months into the job, but obviously doing a lot of the right things. A recent polling has showed him to have high levels of satisfaction across the province of Nova Scotia. And uh, so personal popularity is high, popularity of his government is high. Um, and, you know, he's gotten off to a very um, solid start, I would say, uh, based on where we are today. Yeah, he ran primarily on a healthcare platform. And I remember just how focused he was on that message because it was the main issue uh, among the voters in Nova Scotia. But you'll see from this conversation today that he does have a, a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas around a variety of issues well beyond healthcare. So I think he sees healthcare as the core. But he's very focused on population growth, on, on uh, effective economic development, on uh, education reform, and so on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, what I like a lot about uh, Tim Houston uh, is uh, he has a vision for the future. You know, he's not afraid to talk about what he wants his legacy to be. A lot of politicians are, as you know. Uh, and he has a very, pretty clear idea where he wants the province to be uh, in the future, which is much bigger. Uh, he's, he's um, you know, uh, uh, talked about uh, doubling the population to 2 million by 2060, which would be aggressive, but so what? And, um, you know, he's got a pretty clear idea about uh, what, what he wants to do to leave health care in much better shape than when he um, took, took office. So uh, I, I admire somebody who's prepared to put a vision of the future on the table because that doesn't often happen. Yeah, and I think this has concerned me for over 20 years. Like politicians would always say to me, I'd, I'd ask them, what's your legacy going to be? And they'd always say to me, I don't care about my legacy. That'll take care of itself. And this was kind of a standard answer. And I, it always surprised me because I thought, you know, I know you want to be humble and you want to just work for the for the people and all that. But if you don't have a North Star or something that you're trying to accomplish in your, well, in your time in office, then how will you know if you've had you've been successful? So I think you absolutely have to think about your legacy. It doesn't have to be an obsession. You don't have to think about where your bronze bust is going to be located on the Halifax waterfront. Uh, but you do have to think about what your legacy is going to be. And I think uh, I think Tim Houston has a very clear uh, vision of where he wants to take the province. And now the hard part comes. How do you get there? Yeah, but he also said that he's going to be out, uh, outlining his... Uh health uh, strategy uh, this month, by the end of this month. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what the components of that are. Uh, uh, clearly, we're going we're gonna to have a different way of accessing health care, uh, primary health care, as a result of this. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, and it will take some time, obviously, to make things better. And, and people are tend to be impatient uh, when it comes to health care. But, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what he comes out with. Uh, one of the things that I was personally very pleased to hear, and I didn't know this, is that they're undertaking a review of all the economic development activities in the province. Um, 
you know, I re- wrote, recently wrote a column on 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 the fact that we have so many economic development agencies and a lot of not a lot of success to go with the investment uh, that we make in them. And I think that that's really that uh, that's encouraging, frankly, because they need to be reviewed and and we need to have some expectation of success for these economic development activities. We spend a lot of money on it. And uh, so I'm, I'll be very interested to see the outcome of that review. Yeah, me too. I mean, as you know, Don, that's my primary bailiwick. That's what I do for a living, work work on municipal and regional economic development. And I would say that, you know, this kind of review makes a lot of sense. And I, and I also think, uh, uh, and we talk about it in the, in, the, in the conversation, that municipalities need to step up more in Nova Scotia and invest more in economic development. Some are doing more. Some are doing a lot less. I think, you know, you commented about what Yarmouth is doing on population growth. That kind of uneven approach across the province, I think, is part of the problem. Uh, part of the problem. So I think whatever that comes out of this reform, it should be focused on how, what is the role of municipalities? What is their investment level and what is their focus? And then what is the role of the province? Uh, and getting that mix right, I think, is, has to be part of the solution. The province is not going to come in and save the day in Pugwash and Parsborough. Uh, but there has to be some mix of local uh, engagement and provincial engagement. And, and, of course, your focus on regional hubs is a big part of that as well. Yeah. And just let me make a sort of a final comment on that. You know, the regional hub uh, strategy that I've been promoting for a while really focuses on um, what I call small urban centers across Atlantic Canada that have uh, critical mass uh, in terms of their uh, possibility to grow their population and their economies. Um, they have their healthcare facilities uh, and they have uh, post-secondary uh, educational institutions. They, so they have all the pieces to grow. And, and if they grow, they support their, the surrounding uh, rural areas uh, uh, in a big way. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important to note here is that if you if you have an economic development agency around those hub uh, sort of uh, regions of the province, they should have, if nothing else, a population growth strategy that takes a look at their labor, labor requirements going ahead over the next 20 or 30 years and figures out how they're going to attract people to not just maintain their current economy, but to grow it over time. Yep, makes sense. With the Pugwash to Amherst Parsboro corridor, uh, and with Amherst right. as the urban hub there, uh, Don, makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I've said to you on many occasions that if there's enough market demand in Parsboro for a physiotherapist, then we should put a physiotherapist in Parsboro. Why make them drive all the way to Halifax or Amherst? But in general, this idea of consolidating services in the hub that makes sense in the hub, and otherwise it would probably be in Halifax. Right. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I think, uh, and I think your idea there's starting to get some traction. The premier seems very supportive. Yeah, big surprise there. Anyway, <laughs> here here's our conversation with the premier of Nova Scotia, Tim Houston. Enjoy, premier. Welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, premier. We would like to begin our conversation today by finding out more about your path to becoming premier of Nova Scotia. Can you give us a little bit of your background on how you ended up? Uh, becoming premier of the province? Yeah, sure. Thank you. I mean, um, I always, I always say there's only there's only two ways people get involved in politics, and um, one is they get asked. Somebody asks them, "Hey, I think you should put your name forward." Or, or two, they get angry at something and get motivated. And I always say nobody asked me, um, so it was kind of it's kind of interesting. I, I, 
I grew up in a, in a household that wasn't, you know, we weren't, there wasn't a lot of talk of politics in my, in my household. My father was in the military, so we moved around a little bit. So I think if, if, if I would have kind of pinned my dad down and talked politics at that, at that time and that, in that era, he'd probably say he was a liberal, you know, but, um, but as I got a bit older and, you know, uh, was lived away for a little bit, uh, was in business in, 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 in Bermuda, <clears throat> following getting my, my chartered accountancy designation and came back to Nova Scotia, was in business here in rural Pictou County. My kids were starting school and I just started to really start to pay attention of some of the impacts of government decisions on people. And that's when I started to <clears throat> kind of really question, like, who's making these decisions? How do they come up with this stuff? And then that kind of started my journey to try and understand the, the political system and, um, you know, just talking to friends around the rink. And I, I still remember the day that I um, was at the rink saying something. Somebody said, well, if you think you can do better, you should you should put your name forward. So I came home that night and I said to Carol, I said, I got a great idea. I'm going <laughs> to get out of business and get into politics and she had a certain reaction to that, <laughs> but one of the questions that she asked was, "What party?" Because we we weren't you know we weren't politically motivated or, or interested. And I said, "Well, I don't really know," um, but uh, but so I did a bit of research. I went and listened to Stephen McNeil at the time was a liberal leader. Uh, went and listened to uh, the leader of the PC party, and just really tried to understand where where I gravitated and, and the discussion around the economy and taxes, and that was something that was really Really kind of interested in me and that's where the PC party was really focused at that time so so that's how it was kind of a, a long long road to to get engaged in, in the political process I don't think that's uh, uncommon most people don't really want to get too interested or involved in in politics they just want to live their life um, and, and they should be able to do that without having to worry about who's making who's making decisions and have some trust in them so uh, so it was a, I ran for the PC nomination in 2012 here in Pictou County and Pictou East. It was hotly contested. There was three um, three people seeking that nomination. There were 600 people at the nomination meeting. Pretty unheard of at the time. Uh, we, we won that nomination on, on the first ballot and then won the election in 2013, became the MLA for Pictou East in 2013. I didn't realize until afterwards that I was a long shot to win the election. I wasn't supposed to win the election, but uh, what we did win it. We had a, there was a strong incumbent in Clary McKinnon, the NDP um, MLA, uh, but we won with I think forty nine percent of the vote. Reelected in twenty seventeen with at that time the highest percentage in the province. I think it was seventy four percent. Became leader in twenty eighteen and then um, premier in um, in twenty twenty one. So it's it's. Um, Time flies, uh, mm -hmm. and I will say it's 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 rewarding. It's 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 been a it's been a good a good uh, period of my life, and there's a lot of work to be done. So I'm really excited about the future. So when you ran for premier, what mm -hmm. what set you apart? What was your what was your theme, or what was your focus area that uh, that set you apart from your competition? We were kind of very very focused. It was it, that it was a healthcare uh, election, and and I think that came from you know we used the time in opposition. You kind of learn how the, how the things work, and a lot of times the system is set up to be so adversarial. So one party says one thing, so another party just says another thing because that's uh, that's the way they think it's supposed to supposed to work and there's <clears throat> there's lots of times to disagree on things but there's times when you can agree too so we tried to be kind of adults about being uh in opposition 
uh, as leader. I was leader of the opposition for three years. And we try to, to take like a mature approach to it and really understand the issues, really listen to, to Nova Scotians about what was on their minds. Um, and it was healthcare over and over and over. So, so we put a, we put a full, a fulsome uh, platform out that talked about, you know, uh, the environment and education and, and the economy, but our main focus was healthcare because we knew that if, um, this province can't go anywhere if people can't access healthcare. So we we stayed very focused on healthcare through it. And, and I will say that there were lots of times on the campaign when I was like, can I talk about something else today? And we had a great uh, campaign team in, in um, Cameron McKean and Taylor, uh, Tara Miller leading that up and and all the way through. It's like, no, no, we, we're going to stay focused. Focused is rare in politics uh, where it's like the issue of the day. But we stayed very focused on, on healthcare and it definitely resonated with Nova Scotians. They want to... They want to know that somebody understands the, how important it is to them and their families to be able to access healthcare. So we just stayed very, very focused on that right the way through. So Don's got a few questions on healthcare, but before we get there, I just wanted to ask you, researching for this this interview, we did see that you were very successful chartered accountant. In fact, you were named a fellow by the Chartered Professional Accountants of Nova Scotia in 2020. What is a fellow and how do you get to, get to become one? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's the the highest distinction that's uh, available to in the in the professional accounting world. I, I qualified as a chartered accountant and so a CA now that we're CPAs and then um, an FCPA, a fellow in the CPA, is kind of the highest designation. And it's your peers um, decide who was kind of made a, a positive impact on the profession, who's represented the profession in a positive way and, and they, they give out that distinction. So, so it's funny when, when I heard that I was going to be awarded the, the, uh, the distinction, I was talking to one of my friends who's also a CPA and I said, man, I thought you had to be old to be an FCPA. And he goes, yeah, I got news. You do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely proud of that. Uh, it's, it's an honor when your peers recognize you. You know, you uh, you were elected premier in August of 2021, as you mentioned, with a majority government on the promise to fix health care in, in Nova Scotia, as you previously mentioned. Entering that elect- election, really, few believed your party uh, could uh, form a government. Um, the polling was certainly against you at the time going into the election. Um, the Liberals had a big lead. Um, uh you know, uh, Nova Scotia suffers from the same kind of healthcare problems as most other provinces. It's not unique, including a high number without a doctor, long wait times for procedures, challenges with health, long-term uh, care and healthcare, uh, mental health care as well. Now, you've only, it's hard to believe, but you've only actually been in government eight months. People expect all these problems to be fixed. I don't know what you're doing. They're not fixed yet, but, you know, obviously the expectations are high, Premier. Can you tell us about the progress that has been achieved in improving healthcare to date and what Nova Scotians can expect to see in the near future to improve, further improve healthcare in the province? Um, th- thank you. Yeah, and certainly the expectations um, are high for sure. It's uh, the, you know, the election was in August and <clears throat> when we went back into our first uh, session of the, of the legislature the opposition party, the, 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 the former health minister, uh, who's now an opposition um, health critic, was kind of saying, why haven't you fixed it yet? <laughs> I'm like, man, we had eight weeks, had eight years, right? But so, so I was very, very honest with uh, Nova Scotians during the campaign on, on two aspects. One, that it's going to cost a lot of money. 
Um, there are very, very significant investments that are required uh, in healthcare, um, and but I, and we'll we'll table budget here towards the end of March, and there will be a big deficit. Um, I, I believe that you know I'm I'm, I'm I'm a progressive conservative. I believe in fiscal responsibility, uh, but I know that fiscal responsibility also means economic uh, responsibility, and and you have to make uh, investments. And we're investing in Nova Scotians in healthcare, and they'll be they'll be significant. So one was that it would take money. And, and two was that it would take time. It's going to take time. It just is. There's a lot of negative momentum. And we got to turn that ship around. So um, it will take time. But that doesn't mean we don't feel an incredible sense of urgency. So uh, we, we've, gotten to, we've gotten to work uh, right away. And, and, and some of the, the things we did, you know, I think on day one, we, uh, you know, we, we, we set up the whole, a new governance structure. We put Karen Oldfield in as the CEO when we remove the board down to one one person, just because we, we we knew that there's a lot of work to be done and we need to be to nimble to do it. It's not that I don't believe in governance and that I didn't have respect for the board that was there. It's just that I knew that significant changes were required. So we did that right away. And then that's allowed us to really uh, get to work. We established an office around uh, recruitment and retention. Uh, we established an office around, you know, addictions and mental health and also a department of seniors. So these are all steps we took so that the focus is there at the highest level. People are extremely focused, but more so that people can be held accountable. So I know who I can look to turn to and say, the good job or why isn't this happening? Right. So then and then once we had that structure in place, then then the focus kind of fell from that. So we, we've offered jobs to every graduating nurse. We've opened up um, urgent treatment centers in, in North Sydney and Parish Row, hearing very good feedback on that from the community. Invested in, in um, ambulances and, and vehicles so that we can move patients and, you know, enable paramedics to focus on emergencies and not, you know, non-urgent patient transfers, which was taking up a lot of their time. But, 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 uh, you know, just, just getting, putting the balls in place and then starting the emotion, emotion of them. But the main thing is people need to be able to access the care they need uh, when they need it. So um, we rolled out virtual care to every Nova Scotian that's on the need of family practice registry. Um, it's, it's not for everything. It's absolutely not for everything, but it's for a lot of things. And, you know, people just need that peace of mind of knowing that there's, there's someone that they can call, uh, or that they can see on a screen and talk about, about, about their conditions too. So again, these are all incremental changes. There's no overnight fix, but all these incremental changes are, are having a positive impact and, and people are starting to, to notice that positive impact, but there's a, there's a, there's a lot of work to be done, um, but we are definitely up to it. And the team that we have put in place, they understand um, that we have to get this right uh, because we can't grow the economy. We can't grow the province if, if people can't access health care. In Canada, people need to be able to access health care. We pride ourselves on our access to health care. And, and uh, you're right that Nova Scotia is not, it's not just a Nova Scotia problem. Uh, I talked to the premiers, you know, across the country, and they, everyone has everyone has issues in healthcare. Um, but I am determined to make sure that Nova Scotia is leader is leading the way um, in access to healthcare, and I believe we can get there. I believe we can get there uh, over the course of this mandate. So, so I've kind of <laughs> I've staked my political future on it, but I, I feel very, very confident uh, that we can make really, really important changes in healthcare. <laughs> Uh, I have publicly stated that I thought one of the McNeil government's most consequential decision 
was the decision to close two aging hospitals in Cape Breton and replace them with expanded emergency care in the two remaining hospitals in the area, and to create two new collaborative healthcare facilities that would provide access to primary care and mental health uh, uh, health care in that uh, in that community. Are, are you in favor of expanding the use of these collaborative health uh, care facilities across the province, Premier? Um, yes, I am. I'm, a, I'm in favor of anything that opens up access for Nova Scotians. So I mentioned virtual collaborative cares. You know, there's there's different there's different the world changes, right? So um, we, we're working inside of a healthcare system that was really designed generations ago uh, for urgent for urgent issues. Well, the world's different now. You know, we have more, way more chronic conditions, way more technology, and healthcare has been slow to to evolve. So we need a new a, need a new system, and 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 those are part of it. And and I thought, you know, look, I learned a lot from that particular uh, Premier McNeil announcement just from watching that one. So so I think one of the things I, I learned is, uh, you know, people people they only care about how they're going to access care. So if you ride into a community and say we're closing your hospital. And we'll figure out the rest later. You're not riding right out of town. <laughs> they're going to throw stuff at you, scream, or they're going to run, run up and down. So I, I learned like you can't really take something away unless you're very crystal clear on why what you're offering in return is better. And that wasn't done that time. You might remember when that was announced. Like it was, it was, it, it was a very, very emotional time. And now Premier McNeil came back later on and said, "No, this is the plan." Uh, but what I learned is you you can't take it away without offering a plan. So so collaborative care um, they have a place in the delivery of healthcare, and we we've opened uh, two urgent urgent care centers, which um, you know are, are kind of the same but different, I'd say. But it's just but but um, anyone who comes to me and says I have an idea on how Nova Scotians can access care, I am listening very very closely because. The model could be different in different communities. We have to listen to what, what's needed in a community uh, and be responsive to that. And I'm a big believer in, in making sure that we listen very closely to communities. And, and um, I think a lot of that stems from the amalgamation of the health authorities. I would say, uh, well, well-intentioned, uh, just hasn't worked for Nova Scotians. Um, it just hasn't. Uh, healthcare access has deteriorated. The costs are way up. So we need to get back to a, to a structure where there is more local decision-making, more local input. Communities know what works for them. Uh, we have to avoid duplication of effort, you know, on, on, on some streamlining of procurement and payroll and stuff like that. But the actual frontline delivery of care, we need to listen very closely to communities with what, what they need and give it a chance. Try it. Do pilot project. Do something. Uh, we have to move forward. So that's what we're focused on. But... But again, the collaborative care system that I think you know came from the NDP initially, and then through and then through the Liberal government, yeah, we will support anything that helps Nova Scotians. We're not interested in going backwards; we're only interested in going forwards. Premier, one of the big challenges that governments have are changing the expectations of people's idea of access to primary care. Most people have been brought up with the idea that they should have their own doctor. Obviously, that's changed because of the way you know family doctors want to practice. They don't want to give the time that previous generation did. They don't want to work. They generally want to work collaborative with, with other health professionals. So changing the uh, mindset of uh, the population to say, well, we will give you access to healthcare. It's just not going to be the same way as in the past, but you will have it when you need it. That's a, that's, isn't that one of the biggest challenges that you face overall? 
Yeah, it is in, in, in properly managing expectations um, and managing expectations in a way that gives people confidence that they'll get what they need, you know, so uh, when they need it, right? So we have incredible healthcare professionals. We, we really do. And if you get really sick in this province, you're going to get incredible, incredible care. Uh, getting into the system is is the is the challenge too often, but but I think people are um, they're open to ideas right now. Just I don't know what the wait list is now, but probably eighty thousand people don't have a family doctor. Um, I don't have a family doctor. My my extended family doesn't, and and you know my mother in law has been going through cancer treatments. So these are stressful things uh, for for families when you just don't know when you're going to turn who you can turn to. So. Um, I think they're open to now different different um, avenues to access of care. So, I mean, I think if you said to uh, somebody probably six or seven years ago, you're not going to have a, a, an actual family doctor, but you'll have access to a nurse practitioner. They might have been less willing to accept that. But now, I mean, just, you know, desperation, whatever. <clears throat> they understand and, they, and they've, they're looking for alternatives. So they're they're open to virtual care. They're open to having a different type of healthcare professional give them initial assessment. So <clears throat> those are good things that people are, um, are, are are kind of willing to have an open mind, but they just want to know that, you know, they're going to get the, the, the proper care that they need um, and when yeah. they need it. And they will. And they will. So it's all that's all kind of the credibility is being established through these other types of healthcare professionals that they can trust them um, and they'll get what they need. Now, when do you expect to roll out your full healthcare strategy, Premier? This month in, in March, we'll, we'll, we'll roll the whole thing. So we, we've been, you know, talking a lot during the campaign about different initiatives that we think would improve things. Um, and then just after we were sworn in, the, the minister and I and the senior um, healthcare team did a tour of the province and listened to frontline healthcare professionals speak up for healthcare tour. We heard a lot. <laughs> they were very, very frank with us, uh, but they also have a lot of ideas. They just know the hurdles that are in their way uh, that they face every single day. And they just want somebody to listen to them and, and, and give them a good reason why their idea won't work or try their idea, one or the other, but, but assess it, right? So uh, so that, that was, a, that was a, a very powerful tour. And we've kind, of, um, we've kind of looked through the feedback on that. And that'll all turn up in, in, a, in, a, in a full, in a full um, plan that we'll release over the next, uh, over the next couple of weeks. You don't, want to, you don't want to give us any sort of tips that we can use on the podcast here. <laughs> well, let's, 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 let's see. Maybe I'll have to come back. Why don't we just leave it that I'll have to come back and talk about it. <laughs> All right. We'll take you up on that. Uh, Premier, you have talked publicly uh, about increasing the population in Nova Scotia to about 2 million by 2060. I believe you've said that. Uh, some eyebrows have been raised over that. But in fact, if you look at what's happening in Prince Edward Island, uh, and you extend out the population growth they've seen since about 2012, they actually will will double the population on the island by about 2040. So it's not impossible. I just think we've gotten in a mindset here in Atlantic Canada that, you know, we're not going to grow for whatever reason, and we just kind of need to hunker <clears> down. So I really appreciate your ambition there, even though that's a far off time frame, and that's a big number. It would require a substantially higher rate of population growth. Now, we have seen very positive momentum. The census came out and, of course, really, really good numbers for Nova Scotia. But we will need to see, you know, sustained, relatively solid rates of growth moving forward to get to your target. 
Why do you think it's impo- important to increase the population of Nova Scotia to, by this amount uh, between now and 2060? Yeah, well, people drive economies. Um, so you just, you, we, we need people. Um, and, and, and we actually know uh, the flip side of that from depopulation. We know what happens when communities lose people. Um, schools close, you know, stores close. Uh, just, and then that has a, it gets kind of a, you get caught in that negative vortex because oftentimes it's those that remain are aging, right? So they, and it just goes in, the cycle goes on and on. The cycle is being broken. Our population is is turning around. People are are, are, are waking up to what we already knew and, the, and that's the quality of life that we have here. Where you're never far from a city, from a city, you're never far from a beach, and you can have everything you want in between, right? So we have a lot to offer people. Uh, we we talked about doubling the population. You're right, and and we were kind of internally talking about this and and kind of testing it out with Nova Scotians. It was around that time that former uh, uh, Prime Minister Brian Mulroney came out and he said that the the population of Canada. Uh, we should we should have a goal to triple the population of Canada by the turn of the century. I like that even better. I'm like, well, that's a, that sounds even better, right? But but it actually jived with, with what we were talking about. We were talking about doubling by 2016. That, you know, I think you know by the turn of the century, we, it could be three million Nova Scotians. So, uh, but I think people Nova Scotians are. I, I think they're generally proud of population growth they want more people they're, they're they understand that diversity uh, it makes our makes our communities stronger so the, these are all good things um, and but we have to we have to have planned growth and and I think one, one of the things that our, our population has been growing and, and I think that was just kind of growing without the planning around it. So we're seeing the housing issues, we're seeing infrastructure uh, infrastructure needs. So so we're very focused on on planned growth um, and and you see that in some of the some of the initiatives we put around housing. We have a housing crisis now. It's here right now. We need to we need to address that. So um, and then when you when you add that in with some of the um, some of the ideas we're talking about like uh, no no personal provincial income tax for people under 30 working in the trades on their first 50. So getting young people here, young people helping us build, uh, build our, build our communities up. So uh, we have to right size, right size our, our, our population. That means we, we can double it and, and right size our demographics at the same time. Um, so we have to be very careful on it, on it all, but, but, and thoughtful, but I think population growth is a good thing. Uh, and Nova Scotians uh, are on that page with us, so we're 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 excited to see what's happening, and and it is an ambitious target. Uh, even myself, when I look at some of the population we've growth we've had, I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Well, it's way short of what we need to reach our goal, but that pushes us to go to push harder and harder. Um, I'm excited that uh, my member of parliament, uh, Sean Fraser, is the immigration minister. He understands Nova Scotia. He understands our needs. And I think just in terms of migration, um, people with a connection to Nova Scotia, maybe they maybe they're raised here. Maybe they went to came here, went to school, but have some affection for Nova Scotia and some connection to Nova Scotia, encouraging them to move back here. So you have immigration, you have migration. And I think we'll all be better for it. So uh, it is it is ambitious. Um, but um, what's the point in doing anything if you don't do it with an ambitious bent? That's fantastic. I, I will say in my experience, it's a lot easier and more exciting to be managing the challenges of growth than the challenges of decline. 
how many schools to close versus how many schools to open. So there's challenges all the way around, but I think yeah. you're right to be sort of setting that marker and moving in that direction. I appreciate that. Don's going to ask you a little bit about where that growth should go in the province, but before he does, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Halifax. Halifax, of course, has been a, a, a one of the fastest growing urban centers in all of Canada, in fact. And I think in the last census, they were uh, uh, really among the top tier for, for larger urban centers. Mm -hmm. It, but it has impacted the availability and for affordability of housing, as you just mentioned. So I guess the question would be if you could unpack a little bit your strategy for how we can continue to see that growth uh, while addressing these housing problems that accompany population growth. Yeah. So, I mean, look, Halifax is Halifax is a great city um, and it's it's doing well. There's a good, you know, there's a good vibe uh, in, in Halifax and and for, um, you know, I'm coming to you uh, today from Pictou County. So for the rest of us in the rural parts of the province, I mean, we like to kind of talk smack about Halifax a little bit, uh, but we also love to go there too. So, I mean, it's, it's in a, it, it, as Halifax goes, Nova Scotia goes. That, that is an absolute uh, fact in my mind. Not everyone always wants to accept that fact, but I think it's, it's critical that we, as, as government, we do accept it. A, a strong, a strong, a strong Halifax will lead to a strong in Nova Scotia. And, and it can be, uh, you know, it can be, there's lots of people that live in Truro and work in Halifax. You know, there's lots of people who live on the, on the South Shore and work in Halifax. So all these things are, are, are drivers of all kinds of um, uh, communities and, and economies. So so I'm excited about what's happening in, in Halifax. We do know that the, the housing crisis is real there, uh, as it is in lots of parts of the province, but certainly it's real there. So... So what we've done on housing is we've, we've extended the rent cap um, out for a, a couple of years because we just said, look, we have to we have to protect uh, tenants um, because they're, 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 the housing crisis is not their fault. It's really not. I mean, it's the fault of, of, of you know, lots of reasons, some of government kind of not not being focused on it. So so we won't penalize the tenants of the province uh, for something that's beyond their control. But we, we, the reason we picked two years on, on that is so to give ourselves again and hold ourselves to account um, that, that things should better be better in two years so that we put the task force uh, together. We're looking at all kinds of ways to, you know, uh, a lot of times in, in housing developments, land and access to land is, is a big impediment. So, but, but governments own a lot of land. So which, what, what, what land does government own that could be put to better use uh, for housing purposes? These are the types of things uh, we're, we're going through. But I, I would say that um, the growth of Halifax is, is a good thing um, and it, it should not be stifled. It should be encouraged. <clears throat> Nova Scotia has had considerable success attracting newcomers to the province, both from other provinces and from immigration from other countries, uh, obviously. This is a, a bit of a new thing for the province over the last number of years. The new census has indicated that uh, there has been more population growth outside Halifax than in the past. I, I, I remember looking at the numbers by county, and <clears throat> I think in the last census, there was only really two counties that grew out of the, all the counties in the and this, and, and the most recent one, I think we're up to eight or nine, or you know. So there's there has been some improvement, but many communities continue to suffer from declining populations, including your own hometown community, I believe. What are what can be done to address the what I would call the unevenness of population growth in the province, in your opinion? 
Yeah, so you're right. We are starting to turn the tide of rural migration for, for a number of counties and, and the number of counties are, are starting to grow. So that, that is a good thing. Um, and, you know, has been has been a focus, uh, you know, for example, I think 10 percent of the 2021 um, provincial immigration approvals were for were for applicants who were destined for Cape Breton. Um, so those approvals last year, they'll help growth in Cape Breton this year. So, you know, we're doing some some of those kind of policy things. But but the reality is, is, is people will will live where they where they want to live. I mean, it, it used to be that people had to go where the jobs were, you know, the people followed jobs. That's, and that's still true in some, you know, agriculture and some, some manufacturing, but, but it used to be that people just followed the jobs. Now uh, the world's changing. The jobs are going to follow the people. You know, people are going to, people are going to work from home. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to establish their own um, companies where they want to live as they rebalance post pandemic, their quality of life. And they say, what's really important. And I mean, you, you talk, you talk to people who were, you know, living in a high rise in some city somewhere else in the country. And I won't name them from, in case I make them mad at me. But uh, but the neighbor looking on, on social media, their friends in Nova Scotia who, while they were locked in their apartments, their friends in Nova Scotia were running along a beach or walking along a country road or out in a field or, you know, and, and doing all that stuff. And they said, we want that. And they can have it now. I mean, government has to do uh, some stuff to make sure that the Internet is available Make sure that the schools are there. Make sure healthcare is available. I feel that per, that responsibility very, very personally uh, to make sure that government does what it needs to do, uh, so that people truly can live where they want to live. But, but I I believe that our, our our communities across this province have so much to offer, um, and there are, people are starting to see it. We'll promote it, and we'll make sure that they they they're they're aware of it, so they can make informed decisions. But. But the biggest thing for me is making sure that government does what it has to do around access to internet, around making you know quality education available, and access to healthcare. Nobody wants to live somewhere if they can't get on the internet. Nobody wants to live somewhere, especially you know if they're retired or older, where if they think, "Gee, uh, it's going to be five hours for an ambulance to get to me. I can't live there," or or their kids won't let them. Mom, Dad, you can't live there because you know. So these are all government has to do. We have a lot of work to do as government to, to make sure that the doors are wide open on these communities, but we're, we're, we're doing it and people are wanting to live there. Uh, just as an editorial aside, uh, Premier, one of the things that I know is that a lot of communities have not yet figured out that they have a population issue uh, and they don't have a strategy to deal with it. Even the smaller communities, uh, you know, uh, in the last census, as an example, Yarmouth uh, lost population in this census. It gained population. Why is that? Because you know Pam Mood, the, the mayor of Yarmouth, had a, had a plan to, to build up the population. So it doesn't matter where you are in Nova Scotia. You're not going to be successful in population unless you have a strategy. And I think that's a message that you need to take to the municipalities. You know, you do your role, but they have to do their role as well. You know, to attract people to their community. And it's a missing link, I think, uh, in in terms of you know more even distribution of, of population growth. Uh, let me move to another subject. We got a lot of a lot of things to talk about here. Obviously, the pandemic has been a huge distraction for governments across Canada, and has negatively impacted uh, government finances and the economy. Uh, what are your plans to help the economic recovery in Nova Scotia as the restric- restrictions are limit are lifted? Yeah, I mean, look, there's 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 a lot we can do. Um, um, 
the the economic re- recovery is 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 front and center. I mean, look, the cost of living is going up now, and that's just happening, happening not just in Nova Scotia, but 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 everywhere. You know, so so these are all things we need to make sure that people people can make a good living here in this province, and 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 so there's there's always the aspect of it of of. Um, Taxation, government issues around taxation. Can we lower taxes? And 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 I'm a I'm a big uh, I understand the need to lower taxes, especially the, the personal income taxes. But I've also been very clear we have a lot of investments to make in this province before we get to that part of the equation. So in in the meantime, you know, the ways to drive the um, economic recovery are through you know um, supporting more local consumption of Nova Scotia products. And that's a, that's a program that we talked about in Nova Scotia loyal program, like just really, really um, in, encouraging people to buy local is one thing, but then giving them a little bit of encouragement and an incentive to go with it, I, I think can have a really positive impact on a lot of um, local Nova Scotia products. So that's our Nova Scotia loyal program that we talked about in the campaign. We're, we're continuing to move that forward. But um, I talked about the internet, making sure people have, have the have the internet um like that's uh I, I i wrote a blog i don't know five or six years ago where i said uh, access to proper high-speed internet uh, would be the biggest economic development initiative since the railway that's what I, that's what i said at the time and i still believe that um i still i think still think it's it's that important so i think there's there's a lot that can be done but here here's here's how i would uh overlay all of that we have an incredibly um, smart business community, and I think listening to business leaders on on what is on what is really possible for their communities is the most important thing we can do. And I think governments have kind of gotten a little far away from that sometimes. So, you know, it's 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 definitely. Um, I understand now with a few months in the premier's chair how easy it is to get caught up on the urgent and forget the important. Um, but if you lose sight of the important, then you you know lose sight of the long term. So I, I think you know you have to deal with the urgent for sure. There's all kinds of urgent issues every day, but the important thing is to to make sure that we're listening to business community uh, communities, business leaders about what is possible. And I think post pandemic, the opportunities for this province are completely unrivaled in our in our history, and we need to get back to uh, the point. I say there's only <clears throat> there's really only um, four types of people um, in, in the world. I said there's 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 those who uh, who make the parades. <clears throat> there's those who, who walk in the parades. There's those who watch the parades, and then there's those who say, "Wait, was there a parade?" Um, but so we we need to we need to get back to like pre Confederation Nova Scotia had a real swagger. We we need to get back that swagger. We need to be making. The parades, and I, and I think the the post pandemic, uh, with the supply chain disruptions that we've seen through a number of issues, that I do believe that there will be a return to um, more regional manufacturing, more supply chain security. Nova Scotia is all the stuff from the Avenue Report, you know, right time zone, geographically well, all that stuff is so true that I think now is the time to really press the envelopes. So now you're talking about more manufacturing opportunities across rural communities. So where, what, what can we do best there? I think, you know, food production, you know, making, you know, we have all kinds of food security issues here. We could be producing more food and we can get it to markets uh, quick and, and be reliable. So look, long way of saying, let's get, let's, let's have the confidence in this province. Um, let's make the parades. Let's get our swagger back. 
But let's do that by working with those community leaders, especially on the business side, to help them move from, remove the hurdles from them and unleash their potential because that will raise our entire province. But it's 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 all there for us. It really is. I'm really excited about the future of this province and the, and the population growth and people living where they want to live. That means rural communities um, and, and just and just and producing things that the world needs. We can do it. Uh, how long do you anticipate it will take for Nova Scotia to be able to balance its budget? Um, I, it's it's a it's a little while. Look, I won't uh, won't sugarcoat that for sure. We're going to see deficits. Uh, the deficit this year will be. Um, I talked about a significant year one deficit when I was campaigning, and that's going to be uh, true. Um, there will be deficits for a couple of years, so we'll table our, our budget. It will give our, our four year uh, forecast, and you'll see deficits for for a few years there. During the campaign, I talked about deficits for five to six years. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 that that could be that could absolutely be true. It'll depend on how uh, on how successful we are growing the population and how successful we are on recovering. But um, this is the time. If we don't make these investments right now in healthcare. And then it's going to be a lot longer before the budget is balanced, right? If we don't really invest in people, then we're not going to be able to attract more. So um, I, um, it's it's as a as a as an accountant and as a as a progressive uh, conservative and understanding my fiscal responsibility to our future generations, um, I, I, I weigh these decisions very heavy, and I keep coming back to the fact that if we don't invest in people. We don't get this right right now. We got a lot uh, bigger problems for the lot longer time frame. <clears throat> Premier, the tourism and hospitality industry uh, has been among the hardest hit by the pandemic, and there's some concern that its recovery after the pandemic will take even longer. You recently announced more government funding for marketing tourism in the province. Of course, tourism has two benefits: it has an economic benefit, but it also exposes people. Uh, that come and do their tourism in the province to potentially living there, right? So it's a great way to market uh, the the beautiful uh, uh, um, opportunities that there are in the province. Can you tell us a little bit more about your strategy for tourism and those initiatives uh, and other initiatives that you might have in mind to help this sector? Yeah, thank you. So tourism, like we 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 can't overstate how important tourism is, particularly when you think about our population growth. Um, goals because there's lots of people who uh, when they learn about Nova Scotia and they come to Nova Scotia on a trip and maybe they end up moving here and there's uh, lots of people that I come across that that's exactly the path that they followed so we announced a you know a fund at 12 million dollars to support the tourism recovery a lot of that I think nine million of it will go right to tourist accommodations uh, and help them implement their own marketing activities and build demand for their own uh, establishments. And, and some of that will go to, you know, broader marketing initiatives. So you can see the theme, right? we got to tell our story. And when we tell our story, I believe that they'll, they'll, they'll want to come here. So, but when I talk about tourism, I think um, I always use the opportunity to talk about the film industry as well, because the, the, the film industry is, is such um, an efficient way to promote our province. Um, I was, uh, but I think it was three years ago when I was, well, everything's more than two years ago now, isn't it? Like <laughs> nothing's in the last two years, but so my, I say three, maybe it was four or five. I don't know. But at one time I was on the, I was on the, the set of Oak Island 
And they told me that um, they had a certain number of tickets that they would sell to people. You could come and tour, you could tour the set. I, I kind of forget, but order of magnitude, it was like 5,000 tickets that they could sell. And the day that they switched that, uh, <laughs> flicked the switch to turn the, the, the tickets on sale, they were gone instantaneously. And they had like 120,000 hits of people that wanted to buy a ticket uh, to tour that set from all over all over the world, like all over Europe and down through the States and the Southern States and stuff like this. So um, that's, those are people who, if they get that ticket, they're coming to Nova Scotia. They're not coming for one day to tour the set, you know, they come for a week. And so, so all of these things go together. So we're going to, we, we need to support our tourism operators. Um, we need to make sure they survive. We need to invest in our film industry. Those things go hand in hand, all with the goal of, um, it's a much more, a much bigger goal than getting somebody to come here for a week. We want them to move here. Uh, so it's all dry. It's all, it's all tied into our population growth, but um, we have, you know, world-class um, tourist attractions that we, we can offer to people. And I believe that people uh, go on vacation um, for the experience, not the ease. So they have to be able to get here for sure. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of people that pick their vacations based on the easiest place they can get to. I think they decide what they want to go and do, what they want to experience, what they want to see, and then they figure out how to get there. So, so we have to tell them what we have. And if we tell them what we have, they will want to come and see it. And I believe if they come and see it, they'll want to, they'll want more of it. So, uh, so we'll invest in, 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 in tourism uh, and we'll invest in the film industry and uh, we'll all, as Nova Scotians, be better off for it. I, I just have to, a little aside here, Premier, um, Oak Island is near where I have a place down the South Shore. And I, um, our only failure on this uh, podcast to date was the failure to get the two guys who are behind Oak Island on our program. And uh, we wanted them on not just to talk about the treasure, but how important that program was in promoting Nova Scotia. Uh, it's the largest uh, rated uh, uh, cable program, I think, in the U.S. Uh, virtually everywhere we go in the U.S., people say, oh, Nova Scotia, Oak Island. Do you know anything about that? It's, it's, it's amazing the penetration that that program has had. So I get your point on that on that for sure. Yeah, and 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 the 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 people behind that show and the brothers in particular, but the whole crew, like they are, they're big champions for this province. Um, mm-hmm. They really are, uh, not just not just when they're here. So it's it's a good thing. I think four million viewers a week. Yeah, four. Like it's incredible, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's incredible. The only thing I would say, I think it would be nice <clears throat> if more of the shows filmed in Nova Scotia actually had you know, it was clear they were being filmed in Nova Scotia. I mean, I, I remember watching one not that long ago and I, I was like, that's true. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But the license plates were all American and it was, you know, it was meant to be a, a sort of a neutral community somewhere in North America or in the U S but I don't know if in your funding programs, you can almost force them to say, look, you, you need to say this is Nova Scotia when you're, when you're promoting this show. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great point, right? Because that's some of the missed opportunities that we've had. So if you think about a lot of these shows now, how people consume them, they're they're watching them online, and it is it's it's very cost effective relative to to traditional TV to inject a commercial in there, 
right? So why we should be like when somebody is watching, sitting in Europe, watching the, the Curse of Oak Island, and then all of a sudden the commercial comes up, it's like, hey, this is in Nova Scotia. You should come and visit us. We could do that for the lighthouse. We could do that for some of the trailer park boys who would get some great, uh, get, get tour to great tours here. But, uh, but I mean, but it all goes back to just being uh, us, us as a province uh, being very, very smart about how we invest in, in it. So that's a captive audience watching a show they obviously like and probably have an interest in coming in and not just you seeing it on there and saying, Hey, that's true. Imagine if you live somewhere else and now you come drive down that street and say, I saw this. Yeah. On, on the show so so that's why i say there's a lot we can do we just need to be we need to be we need to be very sophisticated and smart about it and we have we, we can be we just have a couple more questions for you premier um we wanted to ask you about education particularly k-12 to um you know there's been a lot of talk from experts that that it's been really tough on k-12 to on on the that there's actually been a learning gap that that some share of our students have actually uh you know, lost learning and, and we'll have a hard time making that up. And some even Ernst and Young have tried to put a price tag on that and say that that lost time will actually cost the GDP X and Y. I'm not sure I'd go that far. I think that's a little bit aggressive, but I, I think it is fair to say there has been a learning gap. What are you seeing that in Nova Scotia and what's the plan now coming out of the pandemic to make sure we get K to 12 really back uh, cooking with gas moving forward? Yeah, so here's what I would say. I in I worry that our students are falling uh, further behind as our students around the world. I, I do worry about that. We, you know, it's early days, but we're not we're not seeing it that uh, dramatically in kind of report cards and stuff. So you know, but um, but making sure that um, our students that graduate, you know. Uh, in, in this province are prepared for the world and, and, and have all the tools that they need for success is, is, you know, it, it really is the key to our future. It, it really is. So, so investing in education is critical. So, you know, we'll, there's been some learnings too with, you know, being, being able to um, reach students through technology is really important. So we'll continue to invest in, in professional development for for teachers to make sure that they have the, the tools that they need and the the actual equipment and the, and the knowledge to, to reach students in in the ways that they do. But they uh, teachers know know their kids best. They have incredibly strong relationships with their with their students, and so we have to be respectful of that. But uh, w- what I would say is uh, we understand um, how important what happens in the classroom is, and we understand how important it is to respect teachers when that's happening. That's why we went back to school early. We, we took, you know, took a little bit of grief um, uh, from some people. I think even the the teachers union at the time was saying, oh, won't, uh, won't, won't, return to school won't last a single week. I said, geez, come on, we got to get these kids back in school. And it has. I mean, touch wood, we haven't we haven't had a school closure uh, since we reopened because of, uh, you know, staffing shortages. I know there's been a lot of pressure on them. I don't want to minimize that for one second. They've done everything they can. They've been, you know, they've been responsive and adaptive to keep the kids in, in school because that's what we all want. We all want them to be safe in school and learn in school. So, um, look, I'm... Um, People working in education, those those students in the school system and those families with kids in the school systems, um, they should know that their government is very committed to making sure we have uh, the very uh, the very best in education available to them here. We'll we'll support our teachers. There can be some, you know, there'll be contract negotiations and there'll be all kinds of all kinds of discussions to be uh, had about how things take place. But but 
I'm personally and my government is coming from a, a, a very sincere place where we want the best for the students of this province. And I know our teachers are too. So I know we'll get there. <clears throat> uh, Nova Scotia has been become a bit of a hotbed for new startups, especially in areas like technology and the ocean sector uh, with Cove and uh, Volta Labs leading the, the way. Uh, there continues to be challenges related to funding startups across Atlantic Canada, especially early stage, high risk funding. As you know, there is a private group uh, um, promoting the establishment of a regional equity tax credit program that would provide individuals or uh, companies investing in a business in one of the Atlantic provinces other than their own, a tax credit or rebate for such an investment. What is your position on this proposal, Premier? I have heard about this. <laughs> I have a few friends that are pounding on me quite, quite significantly over this. And look, I think it's a good idea. Um, I think, you know, I'm not uh, fundamentally, I like it and I think it's a good idea. And I, I think I would be safe to say that the other Atlantic premiers feel the same way. There's some logistical things to work out. Sure. Um, but, but, but the concept is, is a good, is a good concept. Access to capital is important. And that's, that's, you know, one of the reasons that we're, we're, we're undertaking a, a crown corp review at the moment right now, just to make sure uh, that the way we're investing in economic development is 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 the most efficient and effective way that it can be, right? So we have all kinds of economic development tools. We have, you know, InnovaCorp, NSPI, Invest Nova Scotia, Department of Business. We could probably spend a whole podcast just naming them. So uh, for me, it's the, it's the appropriate time now to assess uh, whether we're getting, you know, whether they're, they're meeting the objectives. And, and then the objective on behalf of Nova Scotians is, is that the um, the investments in economic development actually have to produce results. Um, so are they getting to the, to the, are they investing in the right types of in, initiatives that, that are worthy of investment? You know, like, let's not, let's not just do it just for the sake of it. Let's make sure they're worthy of investment and that they have a chance of success and that they have a chance of improving their communities and, and therefore our, our overall economy. Right. So, so that review is happening that on that specific um, program, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in that program and those discussions will be, will, will continue. But the access to capital uh, question is, is almost, a, is, is, that's part of it. But it's a bigger discussion, and we're we're very focused on making sure that we're 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 getting the best bang for the buck on behalf of the Nova Scotia taxpayers. Uh, that's that's our focus. Uh, looking ahead, uh, what are your government's top priorities for the coming year? Um, they're the same for for the coming year as as they as they will be for you know the coming uh, term or terms. We'll see <laughs> we'll see what Nova Scotians decide, but. It's interesting because I always tell the story that um, when I was when I was running to be the leader of of the PC party, it was uh, you know contested you know five candidates and there's highs and lows in a campaign. There just there just really are. And there's one night I was I was driving uh, I was driving to Halifax and and a friend of mine called me and it was kind of on one of the low points uh, for me. And he said to me, he said, listen, he said, you're going to you're going to win the, the leadership. You'll be leader. Uh, you'll be premier. I have no doubt about either of those things. But what I want to know is, is anybody going to care? And he said, 30 years from now, when people are, are, are talking about the premiers of the Nova Scotia, is anyone going to remember that you were premier? Are they going to care? And it was kind of a really powerful thing because it, it, he was just saying, what are you going to do? 
like what, what, what impact are you going to leave on this province in a positive way that people care or remember? So, so that I always kind of circle back to that because, um, I, I believe our focus is, and, and I, and I believe and hope we'll be successful on it is that we will increase the population of the province and we will start to right size our demographics. So when we, we, people say, well, gee, that Houston government, they really focused on population growth and they had great success and what a, what a positive lasting impact that had. And, and that Houston government, they really focused on healthcare and they invested in healthcare and, and they improved access to healthcare and that set us on a path, right? So, so population growth, um, access, access to healthcare are kind of the, the top two things. So, Everything we do this year will be, you know, will always be, we're never going to lose too far sight of those two things. And everything we do next year and through the whole term, uh, all of the, our focus will be there and how, we, you know, everything will come from that. And, and they all go together. How we structure economic development leads to population growth. How we structure our healthcare delivery leads, you know, leads to better access. So you should be able to, Nova Scotians should be able to um, see a theme in what we do. Uh, I, I don't think it's good when government surprises people. So I think if we do things that people can stand back and say, okay, well, he did that because of this, because he believes in this, then I think that will we'll be okay. Yeah, I think Nova Scotians will be, will be, will be re- respectful of what we're trying to accomplish. So when I started talking to politicians 20, 25 years ago, one of the things they'd always say to me is, I don't care about my legacy. They'd constantly say, let that ha- take care of itself. I don't really care about legacy. And I'd ask them, you know, what is your legacy going to be? So I think it's really great that you actually are looking forward and thinking about what your legacy is going to be. You, you know, it, it, it's important to be aspirational. I appreciate that. Uh, and I pre- that's come across in this conversation. But I did want to ask you one last question. And that is, if you did look ahead 20 years, let's not go 40 or 30. Let's just go 20. What does Nova Scotia look like for you 20 years out from now? Well, the, the same thing. So for me, I think what I what I would say is <clears throat> we talked about Halifax and the and the vibrancy that we're feeling there. We're starting to feel in other areas, but I think if we if we felt that across the whole province, you know, no matter where you went, and we're seeing this pride, the pride in the in the communities is super strong. It really is, and so it should be. So if we see that swagger come back, <laughs> and they're making parades all across the, all in every community because of their own successes. Um, then that, that will be a success for all of us collectively. And I think 20 years from now, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not really good at mental math right now, but if I was, I'd do the relationship between 2 million people at 2060. And, and you know what I mean? But, but, but I think 20 years from now, maybe you, you, we see significant population growth and it's planned. So people can have a place to live and people can have access to healthcare and the schools are, are functioning, right? So so that's the planning, the planning part of it, the government responsibilities. But but certainly, certainly we have to have um, we have to be seen um, by uh, by many jurisdictions, even by the worldwide as a really uh, technically advanced province. Well, gee, in Nova Scotia, you can get Internet wherever you want. You can be on the beach. Like that's. That's the type of stuff that we 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 need to make we need to make happen as a government because then the rest will all will all flow from there. But population growth, access to healthcare, um, I, I, I the reason I keep circling back to it is is because I, I I can't lose focus of that. Those are the those are the things that I know everything else will come from. Premier, thank you for joining us today on the Insights Podcast. Mm-hmm. We wish you continued success with your agenda. Thanks for having me. This was was a lot of fun. We will do it again with the health plan. Absolutely. That's a deal. Thanks, Premier.
You've been listening to the latest episode of the Huddle Insights Podcast. Mark Legere helped produce this episode. You can follow the show and listen to past episodes on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week. This episode of Insights was brought to you by MNP Digital, a firm that guides, protects, and empowers organizations along their digital journey. See how at mnpdigital.ca.